0: Hey guys, it's Pastor Cliff, and I'm excited to welcome you to our Hope Alive Church podcast. Today, you're gonna hear a word that's inspiring, that's encouraging. It'll definitely uplift you. Join us now. Miracle territory. I mean, if scripture is true, and I believe it is, then it tells us that we can walk in that same place, that same anointing that the disciples walked in. So that we can walk in the same anointing that even Jesus walked in, that we can walk in. Jesus himself said we can do greater things, right? Some of you are acting like you don't believe that tonight. Well, hopefully before this evening's up, you believe that tonight. It can be intimidating to think that God wants us to use us to do miracles, He wants to use us to lay hands on the sick. He wants to use us to lay hands and see demons cast out of people, right? But the truth of it is, that's what scripture calls us as believers to be. And that's where he calls us to walk. That's the an anointing he wants to walk in. So we're gonna, we're gonna get there tonight, but that's that's the point of the message where we're going. So if you have John chapter 4, we're gonna begin in verse 46, if you would, tonight. And it says this once more, he being Jesus visited Cana and Galilee, where he returned the water into wine. Now, Riff references that because the turning the water into wine is the first miracle that's recorded in Scripture by Jesus. And this next one that we're gonna read about is actually the second miracle that's recorded in scripture by Jesus. And there was a certain royal official whose son lay sick in Capernaum. And when this man heard that Jesus had arrived in Galilee from Judea, he went to him and begged him to come and heal his son who was close to death. So unless you people see miraculous signs and wonders, Jesus told them, you will never believe. And the royal official said, sir, come down before my child dies. And Jesus replied, you may go, your son will live. And the man, listen to this church, here's an important thing to get in your spirit tonight. The man took Jesus at his word. Took Jesus at his word and he departed. And while he was still on the way, his servants met him with the news that his boy was living. And when he inquired as to the time when his son got better, they said to him, the fever left him yesterday at the seventh hour. And the father realized that this was the exact time in which Jesus had said to him, your son will live. And so he and all his household believed. And this was the second miraculous sign that Jesus performed, having come from Judea to Galilee. I believe this, church. I believe that God guides our steps. Do you believe that tonight? I believe he guides our steps, especially as Christians. If you believe with that with me tonight, then you also believe that there are no coincidences. There's only providences from the hand of God, right? There's no accidents, but there is divine appointments. And it's all part of the dance, so to speak, that is originally designed by God himself. Because when trials come, we need to understand this. Because when trials come, so many times we turn to the question of, Where's God? And so many times we know that even in, in, in the world, when when a heartache comes, when trials come, the first question is, well, if God is real, then why is this happening, right? But even as Christians, we get there sometimes. You know, why is this? Why would God allow this to happen? If, if God loves me so much, then why is this happening in my life? Or, or why is that happening in my life? But, church, listen to me. The true test of faith, in my opinion, is not always our actions. Many times, the true test of our faith is our reaction. Because in some ways, it's easy to act like Jesus, but it's a lot harder to react like Jesus. You hear what I'm saying? When things come our way, sometimes it's a lot harder to react to those things like Jesus react to those things. Now, there's a man, his name was Dr. Richard Halverson. He's passed away, but he once was a Senate chaplain. Before he became a Senate chaplain, he was actually a pastor for 23 years. And for 23 years, every single service, every single service for 23 years, he would dismiss a congregation by saying this over them. He would tell them for 23 years, every service, he says, you go nowhere by accident. And he would tell them, wherever you go, God is sending you. Wherever you are, God has put you there. He has a purpose in you being there. Christ, who indwells in you, has something he wants to do through you wherever you are. Believe this and go in his grace and his love and his power. Every day for 23 years, even to the day of his death. Matter of fact, when he passed away at his funeral, before they put him in the ground, they played a recording of that benediction over the people at the funeral. That is, If you have breath in your lungs and you love the Lord, wherever you go, God has a purpose for where you're going. You go nowhere by accident, church. Now listen to me. You might not be where you think you want to be, but something tells me you're right where God wants you to be. In fact, God, he he might have you right where you want to, whether you're on a missions trip halfway across the world where you're at H-E-B buying groceries, where you're pumping gas. God is setting up divine appointments in your life. You need to understand that. You need to get that in your spirit. Don't be in such a hurry to where you get where you think you're going to miss out on the miracles along the way that God has for you. I believe that Christians are guilty many times of being so singular focused on our own lives and being in such a hurry where we're going that we miss out what the Holy Spirit's doing around us all the time. I was on a trip one time for my son. He had a baseball game and he played on this traveling baseball team and, and uh, I dropped him off the baseball fields. We'd been driving since so about five in that morning out of town to get to his, his, his game. I dropped him off and I was like, all right, son, go get warmed up. I'm going to get me some coffee. And so I went down to the gas station to get some coffee. And how many know when you get gas station coffee, sometimes you pray for miracles anyway, right? <laughs> but, <laughs> but I went in this gas station. And this lady was in there, and she was hysterical. She was beside herself. She was crying, and she's the only one that she's the wor- one that worked there, and she's the only one in the gas station. And I was like, I don't know what's going on with this lady. I'm tired. I'm just whatever. I'm gonna get my coffee and I'm gonna get a couple Gatorades for my son and then I'm I'm paying for it and she's hysterical. And and I walk out the door, I get in my car, and there's just like this Holy Spirit. Really? Really? I'm like, ah oh. Alright, Lord, I know I missed that opportunity. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I was like, I'll pay more attention next time because I know, you know. So I start my car up, and it's like, really? You're really going to drive off? I'm a little like the Holy Spirit's literally just speaking. was like, ah. All right, so I get out of my car. I walk back into the gas station. And I just walk up to this lady, and I was like, can I just pray with you? Can I pray with you? And, and immediately she's like, everything was disarmed. She's like, you would do that? I said, yeah, I would do that. I said, can I ask what I'm praying for? And her daughter had gone into emergency labor that day. The daughter's health was in danger. The baby's health was in danger. And she couldn't get anybody to cover her shift there. And her boss was telling her she left. She was going to be fired. And she was going hysterical because she knew she had to leave and be with her daughter. But as soon as I began praying with her, everything in the gas station just began to change. The whole movie. And I left. I don't know what happened after that. But all I know is the Holy Spirit used me in that moment in church when we get so busy, just focus on where we're going. We miss out on those opportunities. (laughs) What the Lord is wanting to do. And many times He's wanting to use us in the miraculous. Now, going back to that passage that we read in the first century of Israel, the royal officials, which were many times your politicians or, or government officials, and the Jewish rabbis, they ran into very different circles. Matter of fact, they avoided each other because they didn't like each other, all right? And so for a royal official to come to someone like Jesus, whom they either labeled a rabbi or, or whatever it might be, a teacher, that was very highly unusual. Consider at this point that Jesus has only done one miracle. So he's just beginning of his ministry at this point, okay? But desperate times call for desperate measures, right, church? Especially if it's your child at the point of death. If it's your child at the point of death, you're going you're gonna to do whatever it takes, You'll do whatever it takes. That's desperate times. And that's what the royal official is doing when he humbles himself before the maker of heaven and earth when he comes to Jesus. This royal official who most probably reported to Herod himself defies the cultural norm when he saw audience with the one that is rumored to turn the water into wine. He subjected himself to the one whom he had political power over uh, as far as fleshly things go. In the fact he came humbly, he even calls Jesus Sir. And that is no minor detail in this passage right here. Because I'm pretty sure that Jesus would have never responded the way he responded if this guy would have come up and said, Hey, listen, Jesus, they say that you can do miracles and my authority over you, you need to come see my son and heal my son. I'm just not convinced that would have worked out so well for him. I mean, you know, how many times, you know, you know we come to Jesus and we, we, with certain ways. I don't, I don't think Jesus would have responded to any type of, of blackmail or authority. I don't think Jesus was going to respond to any kind of, of bribery. How many times do we try to bribe Jesus and do what we want him to do? Come on. You know how many times back in my younger days when I was doing stupid things, that especially if I'd been drinking all night, I'd be sitting over that toilet say, Oh, Jesus, if you just give me out of this. Oh, yeah, I'll do anything for you, Jesus, if you just take this away. Come on, how many of you prayed dumb prayers like that before, man? Come on, all right? We have, we have. You know, we have no intention of keeping it. We're just trying to bribe Jesus and do what we want him to do. I don't think that works. It never worked for me. I don't know if it worked for you, and I don't think it would have worked for the, the royal official at this point either, right? Man, my experience as this church is that he will move heaven and earth to respond to the humble plea of help. Help. Even if the request comes from a Roman bureaucrat who belonged to the wrong political party. Isaiah 57, 15 says, For this is what the high and lofty one says. I live in a high and holy place, but also with him who is contrite and lowly in spirit, to revive the spirit of the lowly and to revive the heart of the contrite. See, when the royal official came begging for his son's life, Jesus didn't ask for anything in return. He didn't say, well, you know what, first of all, I need to see your bank account to see how much money you can give to the synagogue. You know, I need to see your tax returns. And he didn't tell him, hey, you know what, I'll heal your son if you go and, and, and remove the withdrawal the Roman occupation over Israel. Hey, hey, if you go change some Roman laws and make it easier on my people, then I might heal your son. Jesus just responded and said, Go. Your son will be well. Jesus just heals his son. See, by the virtue of his position, the royal official had access to the who's who of the Roman Empire. He could have had any doctor that he wanted. And that makes his request to seek help from Jesus even more remarkable, if you ask me. Because in this man's eyes, in the political sphere of things, Jesus was subject to his authority. But in the spiritual realm, roles were reversed, weren't they? Because the authority of the king of kings trumps the authority of any king or ruler on this earth. And church, understand this tonight. That's our trump card. Miracles, healings. It's beyond what we can do. It's beyond our human ability. It's beyond our personal authority. It's beyond anything that we can do but they are well within our authority as the children of the Almighty God. They're well within our authority as children of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords when he tells us to go out and do these things. Scripture is clear that we will be known by those things if we're following Jesus and being led by the Spirit. There might be people That you look at in this life, and it seems like they have everything you want in this life. And you can look and say, man, they've got money, or they've got power, or they've got fame, or they've got all these things. But church, listen, the truth of it is this. As a child of God, you have what they need. What they need. If you follow Jesus far enough and long enough, church, you have what they need. The royal officials, if you follow Jesus that way, the royal officials of this earth will seek audience with you because you have something that power cannot control and money cannot buy. It is exampled over and over and over again in Scripture. I'm not just making this up. And you could Joseph, Joseph in the Bible, he was no one special. Matter of fact, he's in prison. He's in prison for doing something he didn't do. I mean, he was in prison for for something he didn't do. He was innocent. But yet God uses him in that moment to what? To interpret a dream. And next thing you know, the most powerful people on this earth are wanting to listen to what he has to say to save his people. Church. That isn't just stuff of biblical days. You understand, that's the stuff of today, is for Christians. That's the stuff that God wants to do through us now. Think of it this way when you know God, things can get interesting because you know why? Because He knows everybody else. You know, God knows everyone and even more. He knows them in every way imaginable. He doesn't just know the past, he knows the future, right? Matter of fact, in Matthew 10, 30, speaking about everybody, he says, and even the very hairs on your head are numbered. And that's like pre and post shower. It's impressive. Listen, you know, my kids, when we were raising my kids, I had three females in the house with all long hair, and I had a son that went through the whole Justin Bieber phase, had just as long as hair as the daughters did. <laughs> I'm glad he's not here because he's gonna be mad if he. <laughs> he's gonna, hey, babe, don't tell him I said that because he's gonna be mad at me. There wasn't enough Drano on this earth to clean those clogs out of the hair on the same man that the a shower. <laughs> the fact that God knew the number on their head before they got the shower, and the number on their hair after they got the shower—that's just impressive, if you ask me. Right. The point is being this: if you don't, know God. There's only one degree of separation between you and anybody else on this planet. And anybody else on this planet. If I was actually just reading a testimony a guy was giving the other day. And, and I was reading it because he was talking. He was like, an, I'm an old 80s rocker, all right? And, and I love the old classic rock. And, I, and, and this guy was too. And he was talking about his favorite musician of all time since he was a kid was Ozzy Osbourne. He's like, man, I've been praying for Ozzy Osbourne for years and years and years and years. You laugh, but I've been praying for Eddie Van Halen before he died for years and years and years and years. Because I had a dream of him being my worship leader one day, all right? You laugh. Hey, you know what? I'm going to laugh at all of you when these days. Ozzy walks up in here sing and sings Lucy and sings a worship song. We know the Holy Spirit's falling down then, right? But now listen, I'm reading this guy. He's telling this testimony. And through an odd Set of circumstances, this guy actually got to meet Ozzy Osborne and his wife, and he said, and he went up to Ozzy and he asked him. He goes, "Can I pray with you?" And Ozzy Osborne and his wife allowed this guy to pray with him and talk to him about Jesus. Now, listen to me. I'm not saying. Anything other than this guy, was just, he was just saying, I'm going to let the Holy Spirit do what the Holy Spirit does. He goes, I'm not going to say, I was born, got on his knees and gave his life to Jesus or anything like that. But listen, my point is this. If you know God, there's only one degree of separation between you and anybody else on this earth because he knows everybody, right? And God can grant you access to anyone, but more specifically on the purpose of what I'm talking about tonight, God can grant and grant them access with you if you are the one that they need to hear and to listen to, or if you are the one that needs to be laying hands and praying for them. Don't ever underestimate what God will do if you say, God, I want to walk the walk that you want me to walk. You have more access than you realize because you have more authority in the spiritual as a child of God than you could ever imagine, church. Come on. If you will meet with God regularly, He will make you an influencer. God will increase your influence on this earth. He will increase your level of influence in people around you and people that you don't even know that are around you. He will increase your level of influence because he wants you to make a difference on this earth. Yes. Read your Bible. He wants you to make a difference on this earth. And you can look at this earth thing and say, oh, my goodness, there's like, uh, like what is there, like seven point? It's like almost eight billion people on this earth, Right. Eight, I mean, that's kind of overwhelming, and God wants to use me. You know, if eight, 8 billion people, if you lined 8 billion people up in a single file line, and you just lined them up, 8 billion people, that, that 8 billion people will wrap completely around the earth. Not once, not twice, not 5, not 10, not 20, not 30, not 40, not 50. 59 times. All the way around the earth, if you lined up 8 billion people, shoulder to shoulder, all the way around the earth. And you can look at that and say, whew, geez, you had me, but now I feel insignificant, (laughs) right? That should actually make you feel the opposite of that, because you're not just one in a million, baby. You're one in eight billion, right? And yet Jesus says in Matthew 10... Are not two sparrows sold for a penny, yet not one of them will fall to the ground apart from the will of your father. And even though the even the very hairs on your head are all numbered. So don't be afraid you're worth more than many sparrows. A sparrow was actually the cheapest animal you could buy in the food market back in the day. Two of them could be purchased with the cheapest coin that was possible. So Jesus is saying, God cares about every detail of your life. And not just your life, everybody around you, everybody, all 8 billion people on this earth. God cares about every detail. And don't think for a moment that he won't give you an audience with people that he needs to give you audience with. Right. We know that God loves us. And he has wonderful plans for our lives. But sometimes we can conveniently forget that we have a spiritual enemy that actually hates us and has horrible plans for our lives. John chapter 10, verse 10, it says the thief comes only to steal and to kill and destroy. But the reason we don't have to live in fear of that and the reason we have to live in depression over that is because John also reminds us later in 1 John 4, 4, the one who is in you is greater than he is in the world. You believe that tonight, right? And don't forget Romans eight thirty one says, if God is for us, who can be against us? Who could possibly be against us? But we cannot forget that we are all born in this battlefield of good versus evil, right? And we have to choose sides. Like Abraham Lincoln once said, my concern is not whether God is on our side. My greatest concern is to be on God's side, right, church? See, the same God that turned the water into wine can use you to turn people's pain into gain, right? To turn hurt into healing and to turn someone's worst day into their best day. See, the God, if God has ordained your cause, then the battle belongs to God. And it's his victory to win. It's not yours victory to win. And so he'll put you in a position to win that victory every single time if you'll be surrendered to his Holy Spirit. But just because it's his battle doesn't mean we don't have a responsibility. And everything I've said in this message up to this point, I'm leading up to where I'm going right now. We have responsibility, even though the battle belongs to the Lord. The distance between the royal official where he meets Jesus and to where his home is at is roughly about 20 miles. Think about that for a second. Because 20 miles isn't bad by car. but Have any of you ever walked 20 miles in heat? Besides weirdos like Pastor Andy? (laughs) He's always running, where's Andy at? I don't know where he's at, but he's always running those, you know what I'm talking about, he's a weirdo. He talked me into it one time, and he's a weirdo. (laughs) Listen, I, I live about 15 miles from where I work. Not one single time have I ever walked it. Not once. I've never walked from Midland to Odessa. I live in Midland, but I don't walk to church. Not once, right? 20 miles is quite a hike. Matter of fact, Capernaum it's 700 feet below sea level, so it's actually up. One of the ways is to uphill walk the whole way. Now, I assume that the royal official probably hadn't missed a whole lot of meals given his social status. He would have had a team of servants that would have cooked for him and his family and everything else. So I'm, I'm just guessing maybe on top of that he's carrying a few extra pounds on him. But because he was in a crisis situation with his son, I'm thinking he probably didn't take his time on this journey to go find Jesus. He was in a hurry to get to where Jesus was at. He was hustling to get to where he was going. Now, you're throwing a 5% incline one way. That's about 7,500 calories burnt round trip. For the sake of comparison, running a marathon on average would burn about 2,600 calories. So you're, you're burning about four times that much on this trip. Again, I ran a Tough Mudder race with Pastor Andy two years ago, and and, and I did that, and it was it's about 12 miles and a bunch of obstacles, and about halfway through there's a sign that says you're halfway done and I was like sweet Jesus I'm coming home I'm getting ready to die (laughs) and I pointed all this is this some miracles take some sweat equity on our part your effort does not make miracles happen don't take what I'm saying wrong but your lack of effort can keep miracles from happening I read this quote this week that says grace is not opposed to effort. It is opposed to earning. Earning is an attitude. Effort is an action. What does that mean? It means you can't earn salvation and you can't earn a miracle, but you better believe your effort is part of the equation. Are you willing to walk 20 miles uphill that God put you in a position for miracles to happen? You know, because I believe we have an epidemic in our many of our churches today. We've gotten so used to getting preached a soft Christianity to us. A light on scripture teaching to us. That's one thing I love about Pastor Cliff. You ain't ever getting a light teaching from him. And before you get all offended by that, sometimes you should actually be on your knees thinking God that you have a pastor that loves you enough to preach you the truth. And I'm just going to speak truth as it is. You have a whole lot of pastors out there that love the numbers in a congregation more than they love you. Yes. But we have an epidemic because of it of a lot of people that will follow Jesus up to the point of inconvenience. Then they kind of slow down or stop there. We're more than willing to follow Jesus as long as it doesn't detour our plans. But it was a willingness to be inconvenienced that defines so many people in Scripture for God to use them in great ways and even be part of other people's miracles. Most miracles are going to require some effort on your part to be in a position to be used that way. And sometimes, many times, it's going to be very inconvenient. And if you're in a place that you want miracles to happen in your life, Understand this. This is the part. This is the worst part about miracles that happen in your life. You ready? To get a miracle, you've got to be in a position that you need a miracle. That's not fun. But, you know, there's a lot of people that need miracles. And God is saying because of that one degree of, of separation, he's going to choose you to be the answer to that miracle. But will you be obedient to that? Will you put yourself in a position of that? Even if it does mean walking 20 miles uphill and downhill and uphill both ways in snowstorms, I don't know. You know, My parents always say they'd walked in school that way, right? But listen to me, most miracles are going to take some effort on your part. They're not just going to happen unless you're willing to go off that beaten path. If there's one lesson to be learned from this royal official, it's that if you want to experience miracles in your life, sometimes you've got to go out of your way and learn how to walk under the path of miracle territory. Because that's where it's going to happen at. I'm not saying you have to hike 20 miles to get to a place of God. You just thank you, Jesus, right? But sometimes it's that inconvenient act of obedience that's going to put you in a place that changes Everything. Everything. Sometimes it's serving God. (laughs) This is all right. If this offends you, you might be in the wrong church. Sometimes it's serving God where you don't want to serve God, but where God is pointing you to serve God. Come on. And what those acts of obedience really are, it's making the effort to get into close proximity of where healing and miraculous powers are at. The Bible talks about the woman that had the bleeding issue that fights the crowd. Many scholars believe that crowd could have been up to maybe thousands of people, and she fights to that crowd as sick as she is just to touch the hem of Jesus' garment. All she's doing is getting herself in a position where there's miracles taking place. And it was hard. It was not easy for her to she was understand the culture of that time. She was unclean. People would not want to touch her. She could have liked if she would have been caught going through this, the the religious leaders literally could have dragged her out and stoned her for this. She didn't care. I'm gonna put myself in a position where miracles are at. That was her mindset. There was a time where where this guy was crippled and he had these friends, four friends, and Jesus is in this house and it's surrounded by all these people. You can't even get in the doors of this house. And so they climb up to the roof of this house and they bring their crippled friend up there and they remove some of the ceiling tiles and they lower him down to be next to Jesus just to get him in miracle territory, to get him where they have to go. Maybe that extra... Effort isn't necessarily a physical act of obedience. Listen to me, church. Maybe it's an extra prayer in obedience you need in your life. Maybe you're in a position and you're just not praying enough. I think sometimes we let fear keep us from praying for a miracle that we need or we know that somebody else needs because we're afraid that God isn't going to answer the way we want God to answer. So I ain't going to put myself in that limit. I'm not even going to begin to pray for it because I'm just not sure God's going to do it. Church, listen to me. Over the years and years... The truth of it is this. I have prayed for many, many, many people. I don't even know how many. And there's times I pray for people, and I've seen dynamic things happen. I've seen prayers answered like that. I've seen healings happen. I've seen people that walk away, and and the, the path of their healing begets there. But at the same time, if I'm being truthful, I pray for many people. Nothing. I didn't see anything happen. But the truth of it is this, the answer is in God's hands, not mine. That's his job. That's not mine. He, that's way above my pay grade, right? The answer isn't in your hands. All you have to do is just be a vessel to let God answer it and trust him and trust him. Church, listen, we, we, I used to have a buddy of mine, I used to go golfing with him all the time. And I'm not a very good golfer, but I love to golf. And every time we'd get up on the green and we'd get ready to putt, I'd putt that ball. It didn't matter where that ball went, right, left, or whatever. But somehow, if I hit that ball and it fell short of the hole, it didn't matter if I I hit that thing a mile past it, he wouldn't say a thing. But if I left it short of that hole, every single time he'd say, Pastor, 100% of the balls that you don't hit hard enough aren't going in the hole. I'd be like, thank you, Captain Obvious, right? Well, let me be Captain Obvious for you tonight, church. 100% of the prayers you don't pray, not getting answered. Most of the miracles that Jesus did happened face to face with people. But this second miracle that Jesus does right here goes outside of that reality. It was a long distance miracle, so to speak. Jesus spoke it and it happened 20 miles away. God is not subject to the laws of the nature that he created and he instituted. We, we can only be in one place at one time. Not so with God, church. So the God who designed our universe within four dimensions does not exist inside those four dimensions. And so the second miracle proves us to be true. Now, why do I say that? Because that's why prayer is so important for us, church. That's why prayer is such a great tool that he has given you. That's why it can be answered a half a world away before it even leaves your lips. That's the power of prayer. That's why it might be answered tomorrow. It might be answered today. Prayers don't have expiration dates. And I stand up here today, and I am thankful that prayers don't have expiration dates because, man, I had a, a mama and I had a mama that prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed for me while I was out doing some of the most stupid things that I could possibly do. Matter of fact, not too long ago, my mom even told me, she goes, I prayed and prayed prayed and I never stopped praying. I never gave up on praying, but there are n- nights that my prayer was simply God, just let him make it home safe tonight. That's the only prayer that she'd had to pray over me. Just let him come home safe tonight because she knew I was out to up to no good. She knew I was out up doing stupid things in my life. The church, but prayer don't have expiration dates. You keep praying and you keep praying and you keep praying and you keep praying. And one of the things that I look forward to heaven And I don't know if God's going to do this. I just have to believe he's going to do this. I believe he's going to remove that curtain, so to speak, that curtain of of just the the space-time curtain. I don't know if that's what it would be called or not, but that's what I'm going with tonight. And what I mean by that is this. I think he's going to show us and he's going to connect the dots between our prayer life and his answers, and we're going to see all the effects that we actually never can see on this earth. The times that you think your prayers might not have been answered, he's going to reveal to you what he was actually doing behind the scenes because he hears every prayer that you pray. He's not ignoring you, church. It might not be answered the way you think you want to be. Pray, I promise you, God is moving when you pray. He's doing things. Now, I, I don't know if he's literally going to do that or not, but church, but I think all of a sudden when we get to heaven, there's going to be an opening of our eyes and that we're going to understand some things about our prayer life and what that does in the spiritual. And I think he's going to show you, listen to me, I think he's going to show you things that have happened in your life because other people have been praying for you and you didn't even realize that goodness or that blessing or that healing in your life came from other people's prayer. You didn't even know it, but your eyes are going to be open for it. And the times that you prayed for, and you think, man, I don't know what God did. I don't know if he answered that. I think he's going to show you exactly what happened in your prayer life. And I think your eyes are going to be open. Church, I think our eyes are going to be open in a way that we are actually going to get on our knees in 24-7, sing Hosanna, 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 because we're going to all of a sudden see everything that God has been doing in our lives. But I also believe there might be a realization for some of us. I'll just say there might be a realization for all of us. And thank God. Man, I wish my eyes would have been opened this sooner. Because I didn't walk in that miracle territory that you wanted me to. I think we just understand what the Holy Spirit wants to do we'd understand that he wants to use us to do dynamic things. We just have to be willing to put ourselves in position for that. And sometimes it's very inconvenient to be an answer to a miracle in somebody else's life. Now I'm going to wrap up with this. As Pastor Cliff has, has been preaching about faith and worship team. If you can come back up. He's been preaching about faith and he's been preaching about faith and it's been such a great series. It has been. But listen to me. When we forget about the faithfulness of God, that is where we are going to begin to lose our faith. When we forget about the faithfulness of God, that is when our faith is going to begin to erode. In Psalm 89.8, it says, O Lord God Almighty, who is like you? You are mighty, O Lord, and your faithfulness surrounds you. So tonight... Understand, when we humbly seek God, you have his attention. When you humbly follow him, he will connect you with people and situations that he wants to use you in. When he puts you in a place to be used, he wants you to lean on his authority and power. But the question is, will you put in the effort to go there through your obedience and through your prayer? If you will, God's faithfulness will never fail. It won't fail. Holy Spirit, will you continue to move in this sanctuary tonight? And I'm praying that you would speak individually to our hearts about what this message means to each and every one of us. For some, it means that giving you more thought throughout the week and through our days so you could lead us and guide us. Like the testimony I shared of this lady at the gas station, I wasn't, I wasn't paying attention. How many times are we missing the very thing, the very miracle, whatever it is that you're wanting to do because we're not paying attention to the person at the store or wherever we might work, wherever we might be. But tonight, I believe that you put people in our path all the time That you're saying, son, daughter, pay attention. They're there for a reason and I want to use you. Step out. Step out in that obedience. Step out in that faith. For some of us tonight, it might be an act of obedience that we've been struggling with. You've been speaking about an act of obedience. We haven't been doing it. Maybe it's an act of serving or a calling or an act of change that needs to take place. For some of us tonight, it might just be simply about not giving up in prayer not giving up because our prayers do not have expiration dates on them. But Holy Spirit, we need you and we don't want to walk out of the doors of this building tonight ineffective for your kingdom. It's about you. It's about you, Jesus, our Lord. But we can't call you Lord if we're not going to walk humbly in obedience with you. And if your scripture is true, which we're here tonight because we believe it is, And it tells us you want to use us to be world changers. Let us hear you. Let us be sensitive to you. Hallelujah in the name of Jesus. Will you stand tonight? I'm going to ask the prayer team to come down. Tonight, if you have a need of any kind... Let someone pray with you before you go tonight we serve a God that still does miracles still does healings if you're here tonight and the Holy Spirit has spoken to you saying it's time for you to rise up to the call of what it means to walk in that miracle territory and you say I don't know what maybe you don't know what first step to take but you say I I want someone to pray with me about this because I want to be a world changer I don't want to leave here not being one. I want to be one the Holy Spirit can depend on. Let us pray with you tonight. Because I believe the Holy Spirit is in this building today. Man, I believe he's in this place today. And I believe he wants to answer some prayers and he wants to do some powerful things. So the worship team is going to sing. These authors are open. So right now, if you're here and you want someone to pray with you, tonight. go ahead right now, begin to make your way down. And we're going to trust the Holy Spirit just to reveal some things in our hearts and answer some prayer tonight. Thanks so much for joining us today. I hope that that message inspired you. I hope it challenged you. Most of all, I hope it made an eternal impact on you. If we can pray for you, if we can serve you, let us know. Follow us on social media. Download our app in the App Store. I promise you, we want to stay connected to you. Have a great day, and don't forget to keep